Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. All right, ready? Yep. Three, two. Ladies and gentlemen, back again with another episode of the Bow Down Podcast. And John, we have done it, my friend. 13-0, Pac-12 champions over the Oregon Ducks. What more can we say, my friend? We went out, the Pac-12 went out with a bang, and the Washington Huskies are on their way to the college football playoffs. Talk to me, my man. How are you? I mean, it's a great feeling. Uh, we touched on it last episode where a win over a team like the Oregon Ducks would potentially bump us up to that number two spot. I knew number one really wasn't in reach, especially with the way Michigan has been playing football. But that number two spot was there for the taking. And Washington on this historic, historic football season, 13-0, uh, and 0, another Close victory, squeaked out another close victory, 34-31 to 31 against Oregon in the last Pac-12 championship game ever. But they won nonetheless, and they're on their way to the college football playoff at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans against the Texas Longhorns. But a little bit more on the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, one, another one of those games where it was just back and forth and back and forth, and at times it looked like, okay, Washington's going to win this. And at times it looked had us scratching our heads like, what the heck are these guys doing? There's no chance that we're going to win this. We can't stop a nosebleed. But, I mean, you've seen Bo Nix, uh, another quality, quality game. 21 of 34 for 239 yards and three touchdowns. But he had that one costly interception to Mish Powell right after Penix threw an interception that kind of gave Oregon the momentum. Uh, Huge play in the game, which Washington then took that turnover and turned it into points. Um, but like we talked about last week, the best game plan, the best strategy that I would have put forward would have been to stop the run game and force Bo Nix to beat us the entire game. And what did that defense do? They held Bucky Irving, one of the best running backs in all of college football, to only 20 yards rushing in that ball game, which is a huge, huge, huge factor in the game. Um, and that really was the reason they won. Uh, they held them to 124 yards on the ground. Um, and a lot of people have been saying like, oh, Washington's really good offensively, but can they really make the stops defensively? At times you see that they can't. But at times, they change everybody's mind, and they really do step up in big plays, uh, big portions of the game. And they have playmakers all over that field. You see from Braylon Trice, Zion, Jabbar, uh, Cameron Fabakulanen came in huge last week, made a bunch of really big plays. And now we're the number one two seed going forward into the college football playoffs. So it's a great time. In Seattle, it's a great time to be a Huskies fan, period. Yeah, and – and the beginning of that Pac-12 championship game, like we were talking about, yes, they did absolutely everything they wanted to do with Bucky Irvin and that Oregon run game. But talk about how critical it was, John, to start that Oregon offense. 
arguably one of the best offenses in the country, led by Heisman candidate Bo Nix. And their first three drives, John, was a three and out, a three and out, and then a four play drive. Like they got a first down and a three and out. I think Bo Nix was something of one one of seven, one of eight to start the game. Couldn't get momentum. Washington drove down the field, up 10-0 early, up 20-10 at halftime. Talk to me about how critical that was, not only for the defense, but for the Huskies in total. It was huge. It was huge because you've seen this high-powered offense in Oregon that was all out of sorts in those first three possessions of the game. And Washington made them pay by going and scoring on each one of those three and outs or four and outs or what have you. And they really couldn't recover after that. And even I remember texting you during the game, like I cannot believe Washington was this many point underdog and look what's happening to this game. And it was just, it's just one of those things where they never really found themselves. They never really got into a momentum. They never really felt comfortable in the game and and firing on all cylinders like their offense is used to throughout the year. And at the end result was a loss for them. Comparing the two Heisman candidate quarterbacks, you could see the Heisman ceremony going on in my background right now. I'm kind of tuned into that. Um, Bo Nix for Oregon, 21 of 34, 239. Did have three passing touchdowns, also had that costly interception like you spoke of. He did have about 70 yards on the ground rushing with a long of 44. So 90% of that rushing yard total came on that one second half, third quarter rush that kind of moved Oregon down the field. Um, But I can't say enough about Michael Penix Jr. You see him up on that Heisman stage right now, 27 of 39. 319 and a touchdown did have the one interception, but Michael Penix Jr. outplayed Bo Nix and beat Bo Nix two times this year, including the Pac-12 championship, which was seriously the last Pac-12 championship of all time. The conference belongs to the Washington Huskies. Besides Michael Penix with his stats, who was arguably as solid as can be, We had the joy of watching the big three when it comes to our receivers, all healthy, all on the field, all doing the damn thing. We've talked about Roma Dunze all season long, eight receptions, 102 yards, yet another typical game for him. Jalen Polk, five receptions, 57 yards. It looks like he's got his confidence back, John. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what I want you to lead with in this big three wide receivers Jalen McMillan back on the field, taking the top off the defense. Nine receptions, 131 yards. Talk to me about J-Mac and what he meant to Penix and this offense. I think the proper welcome would be, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. But finally, Jalen, as healthy as he's been since the first three games of the year, Um, Nine receptions, 130 yards, all that rust is gone. He looks just as good as he did at the beginning of the season. And now you have these three weapons going forward in the college football playoffs, hopefully into another game after that playoff game. But they're going to be 
really firing on all cylinders now. Like they were just messing around with everybody, just with Jalen Pope and Roma Dunze. But Jalen McMillan, quality, quality number one. He's a number two on this team, but he's as good as they get. And he's going to show everybody what he's capable of doing. Jalen Polk. So we know Roma Dunze put in work all season long, finished the season 81 receptions, 1,428 yards, 13 touchdowns, an average John of almost 18 yards per catch for Odunze. We know he put the work in, but Jalen Polk with the five receptions and 57 yards in the Pac-12 championship got him to 60 receptions and 1,000 yards on the season. McMillan only finished with about 470 yards due to the injuries that he faced through the season, but 60 receptions, 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns for Jalen Polk. What does that mean, being able to have the big three all healthy and how potent this offense could be up against Texas? And that's that's after Polk had goose eggs on um, back-to-back games, so those numbers could be even higher than what they are. He just he has a thousand yards even and on our preview episode we all we both said that they could potentially have three thousand yards receivers on this team and it's unfortunate that Jalen McMillan wasn't able to play a whole healthy season because they would have blown that out of the water and Penix Jr. would have had a thousand more receiving yards than he has right now but it's huge going forward to have these three healthy especially with the emergence of Dylan Johnson in the backfield now. And then you could throw in Jeremy Bernard. You could throw in uh, Giles Jackson. You could throw in all these guys, Jack Westover, Devin Culp. You could throw in everybody. They're all talented. They're all worthwhile, and they all can make plays whenever they need to do. Nine receivers with double-digit receptions this year. Rome, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Jeremy Bernard, Jack Westover, Delvin Cup, you had Dylan Johnson, Giles Jackson, Will Nixon, all double-digit receptions this year. What a way to spread the wealth for the team. But, John, you brought up one of the biggest things from the Pac-12 championship that we haven't spoken on yet, the player of the game, yet again, Dylan Johnson putting his head down and running through people. 28 rushes, 152 yards, two touchdowns. Talk to me about what this emergence of got to be an NFL draft prospect by this point, Dylan Johnson, 201 yard, 201 carries on the season, 1,100 yards, and 14 touchdowns for DJ. Talk to me about DJ, what he meant in the Pac-12 championship. And even two games to add to those stats, too, potentially for Dylan Johnson, but just Another another solid performance. We've been high on him throughout this season, and it showed. We talked about it again. It's funny how we talk about all these things before the game happens and then actually happens during the game, but he was able to control that time of possession when they really needed them to uh, bleed the clock out, really work the, really work the clock, play, keep away from that Oregon offense, and he's become such a huge compliment to that high powered passing attack that the Huskies possess. And they have to be the best offense that is left in college football, in the college football playoff period. I think, 
I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I really don't think there's a team that is as talented as this Huskies offense that's left in these playoffs. Um, we talked about what Dylan Johnson meant for this offense as the offensive player of the game. Who do we have as the defensive player of the game? Because we could have went in a bunch of different places. Braylon Trice was absolutely wrecking havoc up front. Obviously, Jabbar was holding down Jabbar Island out on the, the west coast of this defensive backfield. Talk to me about who we have as our defensive player of the week. I'm I'm going Cameron, Fabi Kalanen. Uh, absolutely stud rotational safety, rotational defensive back. He ended the game with five tackles, two pass breakups, and two tackles for loss. And you you could tell right away that the energy with that de- this defense was playing was different. And if they play with this type of energy and they play with this type of effort going forward, there's nobody in the country that's going to beat them. And one of the main contributors to this defense last game was Killer Cam himself. Um, he he really stepped up, made some huge plays, and he was flying all over the field for this Huskies defense. And lastly, one of our honorary players of the game, the recently named Home Depot Head Coach of the Year in the country, none other than Head Coach Kalen DeBoer. Talk to me about KB, KD. You're kind of sitting here waiting for him to mess up one of these games and we have not seen it just yet knock on wood there's still plenty there's still there's still a couple games left to be played but Kayla DeBoer I mean you can't say enough about this guy he's off to one of the best starts to a head coaching career period uh, with the Washington Huskies, he's now 24-2 and as a head coach with an 11-0 record against ranked opponents, which I bet you Ryan Day wish he had a similar record to that. Uh, he's now led him in his second season to the second time the Washington Huskies have made it to the college football playoffs. And the future couldn't look any brighter for this team for this whole program period and it's all because of what Kalen DeBoer brings and his passion and his energy and his preparing for the games and Washington's going to be good not only this season but for seasons to come and you already been seeing it on the recruiting trail and the transfer portal where a lot of these good players all want to come play for him and come to seattle and we're starting to swap those four star and five star recruits from other decisions to maybe consider coming to seattle and coming to to be a washington husky talking about looking ahead here we're going to get into more in-depth details and breakdowns of the college football playoff matchup against the Texas Longhorns in the coming weeks. But, John, we're, we're I'm excited. This, the stage is set. The matchup is set. We're January 1st at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans in the Superdome. It's going to be number two, Washington, 13-0, the Pac-12 champions, versus number three, Texas, at 12-1, the Big 12 champions. As of right now, we are in the same position we were in going into the Pac-12 champions, the underdogs. And I'm not spelling dogs, D-O-G-S. I'm spelling it <laughs> D-A-W-G-S. Because we are a four-and-a-half-point underdog to the Texas Longhorns. Talk to me about 
initial thoughts on this matchup, what this Texas team could bring to this game, and what you're expecting to see out of these Huskies in the Sugar Bowl. As Michael Penix Jr. would say, I love being the underdog, but it's a rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl victory for the Washington Huskies where they beat this Texas team 27 to 20. Although it's a different year, different set of talent. Um, I can't believe that the Washington Huskies are an underdog, especially after last game and the last performance that they played out, uh, which is crazy to me. And it's a little bit like here, kitty, 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 kitty. Uh, like, do they know something that I don't? But um, it's going to be one heck of a matchup. I really think Washington is a superior team to this Texas football team, but that remains to be seen. Uh, I'm really excited, like you said. Uh, I can't wait. They earned it. They played well all season. I was so worried that the whole season would go to waste if they were to lose last week, but it didn't happen. And the season goes on, and the championship run is still on, so we'll see what happens. Before I let you dive into our alumni spotlight, I want to kind of reflect on the season's success. This is this is the first year of our Bow Down Huskies podcast. And, John, we are undefeated as a podcast duo <laughs> with these Washington Huskies. So it, it, it's only going to continue momentum from here on out, and I'm super excited about that. But I want to ask you what your favorite games, favorite moments – if you have a favorite play of the regular season or the Pac-12 championship of this 13-0 undefeated season for our Washington Huskies, what do you got for us? Uh, I have a few. I have a few that really stand out, and that USC game really stands out to me, especially where Penix dodged all those players, run, ran down over to the sideline, and then was able to find Devin Pope in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. I think that was a crazy play. Um, Dylan Johnson in that USC game where he ran for the 256 yards. Uh, that was one of my favorite moments. And the first victory over Oregon in oh, Seattle fun. where it came down to that missed field goal. Um, there was nothing sweeter than that. I was reminiscing that victory all the way up until the next game on Saturday, which, which, which all the players probably would because they struggled against Arizona State. So, um, yeah, like you said, this is our first year doing this and covering this team, and we're so blessed to be in a position where they're 13-0 and in the college football playoffs with a chance to play for the national championship. We're super excited. We're so invested into this team, and we couldn't be happier to have this opportunity that we have. Yeah, the – the first matchup against Oregon in Seattle when Penix threw that ball to Rome for the touchdown. And I don't think there's another person on this planet that could have made that throw. And I don't think there's another person on this planet that could have caught that catch. <laughs> Penix and Rome in that. Um, obviously, some of the matchups in the early season where we were just throttling teams 56 points against Boise State, 59 against Cal, 43 against Tulsa. The Michigan State game going to Michigan and beating Michigan State 41-7, to that seven being 
a garbage time fourth quarter touchdown that the third stringers gave up. Just like setting the momentum and setting the tone from Jump Street about we had a good season last year in Kalen's first full season. We're bringing the heat all year long. And we rode that wave to 13-0 and and the college football playoffs. Um, obviously, we didn't mention it yet, but Michael Penix Jr. Maxwell Award as the best player in college football this season, uh, powering the Pac-12 champs to a 13-0 and record, 66% completion percentage, led the nation with 4,218 yards, 33 touchdowns. I couldn't have asked for a better first season of this podcast and for a better overall season to our Washington Huskies just dedication at the Bow Down podcast than this one. So I'm super stoked about what we've done, what the team has done. I'm so proud of what you're doing, JG, with our social media. We're up to over 10,000 followers on the Instagram. We are every day interacting with the players, people giving us love left and right. Super proud of that. And super excited what the future holds because, yes, this time in, you know, six to eight weeks after Washington hopefully, knocks on wood, wins the national championship, we're going to lose Mike Penix. We're going to lose Rome. There's going to be some players, Jalen, Braylon Trice, that are going to go to the NFL and succeed at that next level. But the combination of what this team has been able to do on the recruiting circuits with those four- and five-star recruits, as well as, hey, Kalen DeBoer is a coach you want to play for. If that transfer portal is open, you're more than welcome to come to Seattle. So I'm super excited what's going to happen. A new conference, a new team coming next year. But we're going to hold all that talk for the next few weeks because my mindset is on the matchup versus Texas on January 1st, the All-State Sugar Bowl. And it's a good thing you stopped it there because I was going to jump in. If you want to talk transfer portal, we could talk transfer portal for an entire episode of potential gets and who we really need to make this team good again. And where's Cam Ward going to go? Because everybody wants Cam Ward, but we could save that. But however, Jason Brown running back from the Seattle area at O'Day High School broke everybody's heart when he committed to Arizona State. What is wrong with you, dude? What is wrong with you, bro? Listen, maybe he just likes the party down in Arizona. <laughs> it is what it is, my friend. Um, let's take this episode home with the alumni spotlight defensive end, Steve Emptonman. I mean, the best player from that Huskies roster for that 1991 championship football team. Uh, he was the Huskies defensive end from 1988 to 1991. He was awarded all-rookie team. He was a unanimous All-American 1991, Outland Trophy, best lineman in the nation, 1991, Lombardi Award, best defensive lineman, 1991, Bill Willis Award, Best Defensive Player, 1991. Another Lineman of the Year Award for 1991. Two times Morris Trophy, 
two-time Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year, 90 to 91. He ended his college career in Seattle with 134 tackles and 14 sacks. He ended up being the first overall pick in the 1992 NFL Draft by the Indianapolis Colts. He played with the Colts from 1992 to 94. Then with the Miami Dolphins from 95 to 96. And then his last year being that 1997 season with the Washington Redskins. He ended his NFL career with the same number of tackles that he had in college. 134 tackles, 8 sacks, and 1 interception. Uh, He battled some really serious injuries throughout his career in the NFL. And he was unable to really find his groove and stay healthy and play long-term. And he retired from that 1997 season at the age of 27. Uh, He coached in the Arena League for the Spokane Shock from 2007 to 2010 as a defensive line and strength and conditioning coach. And today, he is a real estate developer in Spokane Valley, Washington, where he resides. Listen, arguably the best defensive player on that 91 team. He brought the fire every single game. Big shout out there. John, any last words before we cut this loose? And hopefully watch Michael Penix win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I mean, we can only hope. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm still praying for a miracle. Uh, Washington deserves this opportunity. They deserve everything that's coming to them. Hopefully they're able to squeak out another victory in the Sugar Bowl. Just getting to the championship game is an accomplishment in itself and whatever happens happens if they win i'll be super excited if they lose i'll still be super excited after the success that they've had this season um i'm excited i hate that we have to wait so long for the game but we'll have a lot of good content coming your way we'll have a lot of good episodes coming your way we'll uh, hit on every single thing you could possibly hit on before that sugar bowl game i will take a sugar bowl win over a Heisman win all day, every day. 100%. 100%. And I appreciate what Penix did, too. If if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, he, uh, on the inside of his his suit jacket, he has the names of all the coaches and teammates he has on the Huskies. So shout out my boy Penix, leading by example, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, one of the best players. Actually, it's official. He's the best player in the country. Michael Penix Jr. John, it's been a pleasure, my boy. Continue tuning in to the Bow Down Podcast. Make sure you are checking us out on all social media, especially Instagram and Twitter, where we are most active. We have a lot of information and a lot of breaking down to do over these next few weeks to prepare us for the Sugar Bowl versus the Texas Longhorns. Matthew McConaughey, we coming for that ass, motherfucker. (laughs) Yes, sir. See you guys next time.